talking with Dr. Stephen Woodworth in Civil War Talk Radio today. When we return, we'll try out the Civil War time machine and ask him some questions that take him back. Have you let your website go stale? Wish you didn't have to wait for your web developer to return your call when you want to update content? You don't have to. Now you can easily and instantly manage your own website content using affordable Avalar technology. Avalar is a website development and hosting company that provides turnkey internet solutions for companies like yours that need to stay focused on core business. Avalar gives you the power to control your website and make updates and additions in real time without having to learn HTML or other complicated programming tools. Websites powered by Avalar feature capabilities that attract more customers and enhance relationships with existing customers. Avalar offers a multitude of leading-edge solutions, including lead generation and referral tracking, shopping carts and payment processing, membership management, and search engine optimization, to name a few. Take advantage of the full power of the Internet using Avalar technology at www.avalar.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R.com. Vitality is a natural expression of health, success, and fulfillment, and yet it's rare to meet people bubbling with vitality. That's because most of us push ourselves too hard, and when we trigger the internal alarms that tell us to change our diets, attitudes, or activities, we ignore them. Allowing outside pressures to override our internal alarms undermines our health, sabotages our success, and limits our potential. If you're ready to reclaim your natural vitality, to begin living a life you love, visit thevitalyou.com. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. To speak with our show hosts or guests during the live show, call us toll-free in North America, 888-514-2100. Everywhere else, call 001-858-268-3068. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Talking with Stephen Woodworth, Texas Christian University. Stephen, we've left a couple of really interesting loose ends uh, from our talk thus far that I wanted to pick up. Uh, one of them is uh, uh, recently at, at my university, it was Student Rating Day, where the uh, the, uh, the inmates run the asylum, the students grade the professors. I'm sure you encounter that as well. Yes. And uh, I'm reading a comment where a student says something nice about me and says, "He has made my hate for history a good experience." <laughs> Well, I'm happy to have enriched the students' hate experience. Uh, how do your students react when you talk about topics like religion in the Civil War, uh, things that, that are as personal as that, or do you bring that up in your courses? I bring it up uh, somewhat. I don't, you know, major on it. Don't make it the uh, centerpiece of uh, too many lectures. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they seem quite favorable. They seem to eat it up. Uh, along with the rest of the stuff. They seem very interested in the Civil War in all of its aspects. And in fact, the biggest problem I run into in my Civil War classes is there is so much desire for uh, discussion and so much desire to ask questions that uh, we get behind schedule. It, it's hard to avoid that, isn't it? Yeah. There, there's a huge interest uh, in the Civil War still today, which I'm sure you encounter in all kinds of forms. Do you suppose that is cresting, that people are getting tired of hearing people like us talk about the war? That is a good question, and I'm not sure I have the answer. At times, I, I have felt that perhaps uh, civil war, interest in the Civil War was waning. 
However, I don't, I don't know if it's you know, headed down for you know disappearance. If people are going to forget the Civil War, I think it has waxed and waned a number of times over just even my, my lifetime and, and yours. Uh, we, you know, there was the big surge in Civil War interest at the time of the uh, centennial. That's right. There was the early '90s, and we had a big surge uh, when Ken Burns uh, brought out his documentary. It may be waning a little bit, but I don't think it's going to go away. No, that hardly seems likely, but it does. It does seem to go up and down uh, mm-hmm. as yeah. people get interested. One of the the uh, most interesting symptoms of the the phenomenon of civil war popularity in the last couple decades has been that of reenactment. And I'm always curious what other uh, people in the field think of of those who enjoy reenacting civil war battles. Well, um, I appreciate their interest in the Civil War. I think that's neat. I enjoy seeing them in, in movies like uh, the Gettysburg film. Um, I think sometimes, amongst some reenactors, I certainly don't want to uh, you know accuse them all or anything. There can be a, an excessive interest in minutia, and maybe not the interest that one would hope in larger questions. But I think it can be a way that people can get a better feel for what it was like to be a Civil War soldier. That, that interest in minutia certainly is, uh, you know, how many threads per square inch in the, the cloth uh, that you're wearing is, is certainly there. Uh, there are a number of, of different hobbies that deal with the past where people get absorbed in the minutia rather than what professional historians would consider the big questions. Right. Is It, it, it strikes me that a lot of people like history for the escapism of it, to, to, get, to get into just that minutia and avoid the big questions. And, and I, I don't want to condemn that too strongly. Uh, you know, we could wish that, and, and maybe not big questions, maybe even just medium-sized questions would be <laughs> nice to see. Um, but I, I don't really want to take that away from them or tell them they, they shouldn't do that. Uh, I think that they're, you know, um, I think professional historians have a tendency to say that our use of history is the only legitimate use of history. But I don't think that's true. I think that history has a value as entertainment. It has value to inspire. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that professional history has lost track of completely. That history can be valuable to inspire us as we look back at what other people did, uh, and it can uh, strengthen us to to face the much smaller trials that we may face every day. Uh, one of the things I, I teach is public history, which addresses just the issue you mentioned, that professional historians have lost sight of what the public is interested in, which can be inspiration, can be escapism, can be entertainment. And the professional historians tend to write in, in journals uh, for, written for one another in opaque language. Why do we do that? What is, what's going on with the profession? That is a good question. And, uh, again, that's another one of those... Uh, where we have to speculate about people's motivation. But I think that um, James McPherson had a very interesting uh, essay in his book, Drawn with the Sword, What's Wrong with History? He said that he felt that many other people in other branches of the history profession felt jealous of Civil War historians because Civil War historians have a reading public that wants to read about what they write. I think that he's got a point there. I think there is some of that. I think there's also a little bit of uh, group speak where we show that we belong to this group and we show that we all think we're better than everybody else. 
by talking in ways that nobody else can understand and maybe we can't either, except that it means that we're part of the group. Exactly. A a, a jargon. uh, Exactly. That creates a guild mentality. Right. Well, that uh, there, I think there is certainly something to what, what James McPherson says there. I mean, here you and I are discussing uh, issues on Civil War talk radio. This will not be followed by Industrial Revolution talk radio or Cult of Domesticity talk radio. Uh, they don't get their own shows, yes, but we, we do. Yes, and we can all be thankful for that. That's right. Um, well, you know, the history profession tends to be, as I think you know, rather hostile to military history. True. And rather hostile to Civil War history. Oddly enough, because military history courses and Civil War courses in particular fill classrooms. They do. The, the public is interested. They want to read it in books. They want to hear about it in classes and lectures. But the history profession doesn't think they ought to. I, um, well, recently I um, was reading a professional historian had written something uh, about a proposed book that was going to look at the military history of the Civil War, a military view of the Civil War, and the professional historian wrote, my students would like this, but I don't think they ought to read it because I want to get them to read more of the the other types of history. And I think that's kind of elitist attitude that sometimes our profession has that, well, we know what you ought to be interested in, and it's not this. I I share that view, and uh, as a public historian, as somebody who who works on getting history to the public or training students to work outside the academy. Uh, those are issues we, we address all the time. How can you communicate history to the public that they're interested in and perhaps raise the level of discourse in those other fields, in movies and museums and monuments, rather than trying to urge people to ignore them and just read the monographs? Right, exactly. Which they're not going to do. No, they certainly won't. Uh, well, uh, the average, I think the average... Uh, Scholarly history monograph sells what 500 copies, maybe less in some fields. Absolutely, it's not something one does for uh, for the wealth and fame. That's for sure. Now, I, I said during our break, I promise our listeners the the Civil War time machine sort of question, which I always like to ask: uh, if you could go back to the 1860s to meet with one person from that era, mm. who would it be, and what would you say? That is a tough question to answer. Uh, I might want to go back to Jefferson Davis and, and talk to him because he is so inscrutable. I'm probably not one of Davis's biggest fans, but uh, not one of his biggest detractors either. And I've sometimes wondered what he was thinking. Uh, but the same token, Lincoln, although more eloquent and certainly more studied, can be inscrutable sometimes too. And I'd like to ask him sometimes what, what he was thinking and what he meant and Oh, a number of different situations through the war. Did he really think he was going to lose the election of 64, as he wrote in that paper? I assume he did. And uh, I'd, I'd like to talk to Lincoln about his uh, his religious views, which is something that people argue about hotly today. He didn't give us a lot of information on that. I don't suppose the outcome of the war turned on it in any way. But because I've studied religion a bit in the Civil War, and Lincoln put religion into his speeches almost more than any other American president, and yet he was not a member of a church, and uh, regarding his private religion, he was very private. So I'd be curious to talk to him about that. Uh, are you familiar with Alan Gelzo's book, Redeemer, President? 
uh, somewhat familiar. I, I, it, it's uh, it, it's part of a wave of books. Um, Richard Cowardine's biography of Lincoln, uh, the, the, just called Lincoln, came out uh, I think in 2004. Uh, is another book that both those books stress Lincoln's religious views, uh, not not for their own sake. There's a tradition in Lincoln writing to argue that Lincoln was about to convert to, and then you fill in the name of the author's denomination, yeah. uh, but he was assassinated, so he couldn't. Right. Uh, that tradition uh, doesn't get us very far, but there's a new wave of books that look very seriously at Lincoln's philosophical and religious beliefs to try to untangle just those, those paradoxes you mentioned, that he mentions God and providence regularly, yet belongs to no church, uh, that he clearly thinks deeply about it, but his views are not conventional, and... They do have an impact, certainly, on his policies, on his, his thoughts. Uh, we see them in the second inaugural address. Right. And, and, and historians are taking Lincoln's religion certainly seriously in the last five to ten years in a way they hadn't done uh, ever before, really. Right. And I, I think he also makes a lot of sense in the arguments he makes about Lincoln's religion. I, <clears throat> I think that Lincoln, my feeling is that Lincoln was going somewhere with his religion. I'm not quite sure where. From where he started his, his hard-shell Baptist childhood, which he utterly rejected, to his atheist youth. He was going somewhere from there. He was evolving in some direction. I'm not sure what the final final destination would have been. Of course, Lincoln is such a big figure in our history that very r- rarely do people attack him. Now, some neo-Confederates like to attack Lincoln, and some others have attacked Lincoln. But usually what you do is you try to enlist Lincoln on your side. You say, he was, he was on my side. He was exactly. going to convert to my view. Right. Lincoln himself uh, once said that he was less concerned if uh, if God was on his side than if he was on God's side, uh, or is quoted as saying that. But then he's also quoted as saying uh, it would be nice to have God on his side, but he must have Kentucky uh, yes. if he is to win the war. So uh, his, his views don't conform to any one particular uh, traditional uh, outlook, and it, it's a fascinating question. Yes, it definitely is. Well, there are many fascinating questions that uh, I wish we had time to talk about at great length, but I, I know we're at the end of our time. Uh, Stephen, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. Uh, I've learned a lot, and uh, I hope we can do this again soon. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. This is Jerry Prokopovich on Civil War Talk Radio. Yes, we'll rally around the flag, boys. We'll rally once again. Shouting the battle cry of freedom. We will rally from the hillside. We'll gather from the plain. Shouting the battle cry of freedom.